You're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM, and I am your host, Aaron Kaster. We're going to be, uh, sorry, Stefan and I, Stefan's also here, he'll be joining us in just a second. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, food today for our interview. I have uh, Josh and Ben Walters, who are the uh, co- some of the co-founders for Feedback, uh, which is a company uh, that has started through an app, and they're trying to help mitigate restaurant waste. Uh, many of our longtime listeners will remember that uh, my actual paid job is that I'm a chef. So this is uh, of particular relevance to me, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. We'll be doing that uh, about halfway through the program. But Stefan is going to be taking the bumpers, as usual, uh, at the end and at the beginning. And uh, I actually, I don't know what you've decided as far as order is going to go, so why don't I just let you introduce your sections today? Thanks so much. Um yeah, so the my first section is going to be uh, a bit of a a bit of a maybe a pull away from the usual sort of news off the top. Uh, not that I won't be referencing news, but it's going to be it's uh, it's more about it's more about this apparent uh, anxiety that exists uh, that w- that every couple months an article comes out. I think on the in in some article, the New York Post. There's one in the Guardian. There's one in the New York Times. I even saw a Forbes article about it uh, about how millennials are the anxious generation mm-hmm. uh, and how and 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 some of the and I, and I saw a tweet sort of referencing this a couple week, a couple months ago from uh, Alex Steffen, who's a futurist out of the state somewhere, um, sort of calling out this kind of silliness about these articles most more often than not uh and and it resonated with me and then it's sort of and then i've sort of been ruminating it on and then today uh for a variety of reasons uh it's sort of come to a fore uh so you're gonna get that off the top and then at the end we're going to talk about a couple different government reactions to science in different ways something incredibly dumb the republican congress did so you know the usual kind of news so um but to start off apparently if you're a young person you're really anxious uh, and if you read these articles uh, about why we're anxious, they'll tell you things like, uh, we're the first generation raised on the internet, uh, we're apparently the, which, which I guess raises anxiety. We're the first generation uh, to experience helicopter parenting, um, and, and the first generation to sort of exposed consistently to social media in some sort of way, uh, although the older parts of us would, wouldn't have hit that until after high school, uh, which I think remains one of the greatest blessings on my life, mm. uh, is the avoidance of social media before high school. Yeah, you getting to use it as a young adult but not having to have it present during high school was, oh man. I think we hit Sweet the spot. only, uh, we hit the only way social media is okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, and so... And, and, and you know, there's all, and, you know, then there's the there's a whole conversation about economic anxiety, uh, and a whole conversation about everything else, and more often than not, though, and this is what sort of Oxen point out, it's it ignores the the facts on the ground, shall we say? It ignores mm-hmm. the the lived reality of those of us, this, those those high high percentages of millennials who actually accept the climate change and and everything else. Um, Not just accept it, but also like understand the real gravity of the threat, right? Because there's a lot of people out there who like, okay, climate change is real, but they don't actually know enough about it to know what that means. Yeah. Right. And so they're not as worried as they should be, frankly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so then it's the carry on. And so it's, it's kind of funny reading all these articles about people being confused or, or why is everyone so like, and and they come up with these, I feel like it, it so consistently reads as, um, people from like 30 years ago trying to guess why people today would be anxious and so all of the reasons are things that are different from then to now uh like you know like the internet uh or like you know like like helicopter parenting let's blame all these weird things like this 
while ignoring the fact that ignoring really where anxiety comes from right like if you think about the times you're anxious you think about the times that you're scared the times that you sort of are are are, are, are waiting for things like this when is this happening it's happening when you're ignoring something right it's happening when you know something is coming and you aren't facing it you're not paranoid if they're really after you, Stephen. Oh, exactly. Um, you know, it, it comes the anxiety. Think of the times you're the, you're most anxious. These are times in which you are, you are, you know, there's a threat, uh, and it's coming, uh, but you don't know. You, you you but you're not doing it. You're not facing it, right? And and so you, and so the, the, your mind anxiety is your mind telling you you're not doing enough. You know, you're the, that you're not prepared. You're not ready, and that. And it's what's interesting about all these articles is it acts. It, it goes on about how most of these articles, in some way, sort of imply that the anxiety is a deficiency in millennials, or it's a, or it's unreasonable, or it can be explained away by these other factors. That if we just, oh, if we just, you know, we're a little bit more reasonable about our social media use, then then maybe you would be. Or you, you unplug every weekend, then maybe you'd be okay. Um, you know, go go walk in the woods for a little bit, then you'd be fine. And that doesn't work when when the anxiety is rational mm-hmm. and the anxiety is very, very rational, you know, there's, there's no reason why you should expect those of us, those of us who fully understand the actual crisis facing us sh- shouldn't be anxious. And, and I, the anxiety comes from the fact that I think, and, and sort of the, the, the hidden part of this anxiety, the fact that we're not, it comes from this, this, the central point that we're not facing it, that, you have a whole bunch of people who know this thing is coming and they're living in a world which is in no way reacting the way it should. You're, it's, it's like, it's, it's like you're, you're being disassociated from, from your lived reality. You're, you're constantly being told that the world, is, that every, like you're reading and you're learning and all the things that, that are proving that the world needs to deeply, deeply change. And then you wake up every day and you walk outside in a world that has done nothing. And then you see it happen again and again and again. And yeah, after a couple years of, 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 of a complete disassociation from the, from, the, from the information that you're learning to the world that you're living, that's going to have a psychological effect. That's going to cause some concern. That's going to make you scared. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's, it's ludicrous, I think, that that's not something we're talking about. That, and the reason why I'm not talking about it is because it's the the realities of the world we live in have not permeated other parts of 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 society yet you know um i i was trying to, uh, but what, preparing for this piece i was trying to think of other times people would be super anxious or other times society as a whole might be anxious about the future of, of society because every every generation has some idea that they're, they're going to be the last generation right you know the cold war world war 2 probably world war one well, after people realized it wasn't gonna be a cakewalk um and then you know and then probably smaller uh more regional th- conflicts even before that and what i find interesting is that the, is the distinction between the reaction that society was having to those threats versus the reaction society is having to its threat now which was that, you know, in World War II, sure, the America spent a long time ignoring it, but eventually the whole world is like, oh, right, we should do something about this. Uh, in the Cold War, America spent its entire time trying to convince you that this was a thing to be scared about. The, they, they, the, the, the state was the primary actor in the trying to scare you part. And so, and that, and that is fundamentally different. 
in in this one. Uh, this the you know we are no it, it is so rare for uh, for a politician or a or a mainstream talking point person uh, to be fully embracing and speaking about the the difficulties that we face. Uh, that those that the people who are reading and know are never getting that validation. Uh, you know, the people who listen to this show might be, but that's a, a, a fraction, a tiny fraction of the populace. Uh, and, and and there's other places, you know, if you're reading Grist consistently, or if you follow some people, like there's a part of environmental Twitter that is very aware of what's going on, but that is not most people's lived reality. And and I think, and, I, and, so, and so I went from that, that fact to what can be done about it. Uh, because I don't want to leave everyone uh, with a sort of like, hey, you're scared, that's valid and right. Continue being scared. Because uh, today is not a day where I feel like uh, people need to be uh, more scared. Um, and so and so I thought of, what, okay, so what do you do? What do you, how do you face this anxiety? How do you do stuff? And the only time that I have managed to get past my anxiety is when I've finally accepted that I need to turn and face the problem and head on and, and just and just walk into it, right? Just walk directly into the problem. Anxiety stops when the adrenaline starts going because you have to start actually doing the work. And and that is the only real answer I have, um, is this, this, this fact that if you spend our time worrying about what we might lose uh, or... or concerned that we're not doing enough um or or just being scared because nothing is happening while you're being told more and more scary things are occurring the only answer i have the only solution i have is to turn and face the community uh turn and face the face the the threat full on and and try to harness that the adrenaline that that is faced by that like you know it's the moment you turn in like you know you you might feel the bear near you and you're anxious and you the moment you turn to hit, see the bear suddenly that your your flight or flight response comes up and it's like we cannot run away from climate change it's sort of around the whole world that's kind of the point yeah elon musk might be trying to get us to mars but it's not exact but we're not all getting to mars uh so we're much better off fighting the bear than trying to run away mm. and and so and so that shift um, is difficult. And the one thing that's, that's helped me do that uh, in the last little while was for a long time, I, I, spent a, I spent an incredible amount of time just being worried about what we'd lose. Like just, just and, and, and it goes to the, 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 the amazing and ridiculous thing about all of this is that the systems are so complex that there's no way to guess what the world would look like in a completely carbon changed world. Like that's the terrifying part is that we have, we, you can't even, you can't, the hard part of facing it is you don't even know what's coming. You don't even know how to face things. And that is terrifying. And so what I've tried to do is instead of focusing on the, the scared, the, the frightening parts, everything like that, uh, or the or the or the all the things we might lose, like oh, we might like all the benefits of the world we might lose that we ha- exist right now. Um, I've tried instead focus on the on the beauty that we of what we currently have, and in the momentary, mo- the, the more you can extend the moments of beauty, the the better off everyone is. And and so this this sort of flip to 
what ca- that the two trying to save as much as we can to, to, to try to, to trying to live as deeply in the wonders of the world that exists right now as wholly within the people in the in the in the beauty that exists in every single day is the only real way I have to combat that anxiety uh, because that isn't because anxiety isn't helpful like anxiety is just a warning sign as soon as you hear the warning sign it's like you know no one needs the flash no, no one wants to try to be solving problem while the gigantic alarm bell wheels over your head the entire time that mm-hmm. is only going to make you less you're not going to think straight you're because you're just going to you're just going to lose and and so flipping that flipping that to a an attempted embrace of of each and every uh, day and moment, uh, and and an, an attempted goal of saving, uh, not saving, saving is the wrong word for this, but like, um, uh, of extending uh, the beauty, uh, of, of 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 encouraging and doing everything we can to keep the parts of this world that are great alive, uh, is is one that sort of lets you focus on 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 the things that really matter. Uh, and the ones that let you focus on enjoying this, uh, because you know the people. As much as we sort of talk about these are long scale things, the timelines are completely unknown because we have no idea. And and, that, and what's what's kind of about that, that exists in a planetary existence and our own existence. Uh, you know, if you spend if you spend your life being terrified uh, or, or conservative about, about climate change, and so much so that you, you don't go and enjoy your life, and then you get hit by a truck before anything happens, that's not a good way to do things. You know, um, the only answer is to try to enjoy as much as as you can now, because you don't know you don't know when the world is going to end, you don't know when your life is going to end, and this is a very depressing topic. And I'm sorry if you turned in. Uh, I tried <laughs> to warn you it was not going to be a normal thing. Well, let me. Uh, can I can I jump in Please. here for a minute? So let's let's take your your somber message here and, and turn it into some actionable advice. And unfortunately, I, I I'm I'm at a bit of a loss for actionable advice for the folks feeling anxious. But I do have some actionable advice for the people who write these freaking articles, uh, which is that you're victim blaming. Right, uh, legitimately victim blaming. So the world is actually on fire. That's not. That's a rational fear. That's what Stefan was talking about. So when you say in response to that, not that, uh, hey, I agree those are serious problems and let me help you solve that. But you say no, no, no. I'm not going to help you solve that problem. What you need to do is you need to go take a walk in the park. Uh, sure, walk in the park is definitely good for people's mental health. But that's pretending that the problem is fictitious and it isn't. So every time you feel like saying, well, hey, the, you know, the problem with millennials is that they just spend too much time plugged into their phone. You know what they're doing on their phone? Sure, they're, they're tweeting cat pictures, but they're also reading news. And so one of the other things that comes up for me is that like it's that whole thing about like, you know, I feel like the Internet now is you, when people refer to the Internet or when, when older generations refer to the Internet. They refer to it in the way that that our parents did when we were younger about TV, which is that, oh, you watch too much TV. TV is is rots your brain. Well, what are they watching? If they're watching the news or nature documentaries, then I would say that they're actually educating themselves. Uh, it's what what the TV is just a medium, and so is the internet. So it depends what you're using it for. But I feel like when people are saying, "Oh, you know, teenagers or, or this generation spends too much time on the internet," they think that the only thing they use it for is tweeting cat pictures and not reading the news. So if 
in a lot of places, yeah, sure, maybe there's a lot of that stuff too. People do spend a lot of time on the internet, but a good chunk of that time is educating themselves. And so instead of the, the internet generation, I would call them the more educated than any generation has ever been before educated uh, generation, because they have access to unlimited, virtually unlimited amounts of information on their phone. So you need to stop referring to the internet as you would as a blanket bad thing and, and understand that it's a tool that can be used in a variety of ways. And many people, in addition to some personal entertainment fluffy reasons, use it to inform themselves and once they have informed themselves they go hey here's a serious problem uh hey older generation that has all the power in our in our society there's a real problem here i need you to help it with it you know what the answer they get is no we don't want to so they're anxious they're anxious because you're making decisions that are just going to destroy their future and when you say and when they say hey this is a problem can you stop punching me in the face metaphorically speaking they say no go i'm going to keep punching you in the face the way to solve your problem is to go take a walk in the woods that's victim blaming and so it's not just inaccurate it's also horrible it's also incredibly uh incredibly incredibly horrible and you are in fact contributing to that legitimate anxiety by taking that course of action by taking that tone or by making that point to people so really just stop <laughs> that's, uh, as, as I said, I apologize. I don't have actionable advice for the people feeling anxious, but people who need to really stop writing those articles, or at least at least take some actual information into account when you're doing, and understand that and acknowledge at the beginning of your article that this anxiety is real and it's real for a good reason, and maybe provide some insight about how better to manage it. But everyone just keeps talking about it as if they can't explain it. Well, it it, it can easily be explained, and it's rational. Well, it, well, and also the explanations need to be need to factor in. Um, some like the the real world existence of things like sure housing and jobs are important but housing and jobs don't exist on a world on a three to four to five to six degree warming world you know there's there's enough other things to make people anxious and and climate change is the one one of the very few serious issues that humanity has faced in which inaction means bad things rather than action means bad things. The Cold War was was different because the Cold War something had to happen and so and so no news was good news in the Cold War. Yeah, no I'm afraid of someone is, doing something. <laughs> yeah, no news is very bad news in 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 the in the area of climate change. And and so uh, if I can leave uh, if I can leave a message to the to the uh, to the, the those of us uh, who I will include myself in as anxious millennials uh, Try, like it's funny. I'm going to give you the same advice, you know, that that we just made fun of. Uh, take a walk in the park. Uh, try to, you know, like try to enjoy the the days. The you know, and this is not. I'm not saying that we aren't gonna that we aren't gonna keep trying to do stuff uh, or solve this problem uh, or work as hard as we can to make something happen. But if if you are doing that at the expense of your own enjoyment, or if you're not seeing your family or friends because of it, maybe don't. Maybe see family, maybe see friends, maybe try to enjoy your life a little bit and hope we all get out of this in, in a way that's arms together and we actually face the problem head on. Yeah. Well, I'm, and you tell the next person that tells you that, uh, that uh, while, you're, while you're taking your walk through the park, that maybe they should read some stuff about climate change <laughs> and that we'll, we'll meet each other halfway. You go educate yourself and I'll go take a breather. As long as everyone's in the park. Right. As long as we're all in the park while we're doing it on your iPhone. Yes. All right. So uh, Megan's here. Megan's going to uh, uh, introduce our music break and then we're going to be back to talk to uh, Josh and Ben uh, Walters about feedback, uh, a little bit about food waste, uh, restaurant culture uh, still bad stuff just uh, smaller scale bad stuff <laughs> we'll be right back you're listening to the Green Majority go away go, take it away Megan
All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners internationally and particularly across Canada at uh, a whole network of community and campus radio stations uh, podcast as well, which can be found if you're not already on the loop. You can find that at greenmajority.ca. Uh, as well as all the other show notes, information, links to our guests' uh, web pages, uh, old shows, everything. The archive is all there. So go ahead and check out greenmajority.ca. You can also send us emails uh, like people regularly do, actually. I, I got an email from a, a longtime listener who's from the UK. Uh, uh, yesterday sent me a, a hilarious and terrifying thing I'll share with you in the final section really quickly. Uh, but go ahead and do that. We love we love getting emails if you have ideas, things you want us to talk about, whatnot. Uh, we can't promise 100% we'll always be able to do that, but we will do our best uh, where appropriate. So uh, go ahead and do that on uh, grievemajority.ca. Uh, I do believe that we're going to have our guests live now here. So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, we have two guests. It's both Josh and Ben uh, Walters, and uh, but they're sharing a phone. So I don't know who's actually going to be picking up the phone here. Uh, do I have uh, one of you on the line? Hi, uh, yeah, you actually have both of us. Uh, this is Josh speaking, and Ben's here as well. All right, yeah, so if you just, uh, uh, while you're sharing there, if you can just do your best to uh, to make sure your, your face is as close to the phone as possible, that would be great. Uh, so I'll just do a quick intro here for you, and then I'll, and then I'll ask uh, one of you to uh, sort of pick it up as you see fit there. Uh, so we're talking about a, a company which is called Feedback, uh, and it uh, operates through an app, a very popular business model these days, and uh, and it ad- seeks to address food waste. So we were speaking a little bit before the show, and, and funnily enough, uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that I'm actually uh, uh, involved involved in, in running a restaurant uh, out of the Center for Social Innovation here in Toronto. Uh, so I had actually met, I believe it was Ben, very briefly as they came in to pitch their idea to us as a restaurant. And so it was very fun to get you on the on the show here because I'm actually able to take the position of a theoretical client for the for the purposes of our conversation. Uh, I would like you to uh, do a more comprehensive, uh, one of you to do a more comprehensive output about how your app actually works. So we're looking to address like food, reduce food waste, uh, but perhaps you can do a, a little bit uh, more of a comprehensive job explaining exactly how that where the food waste comes from and then how you're seeking to solve that problem okay well why don't i give you a little background story of where the idea came from please it'll it'll frame the picture well for uh, ben to jump in and explain how the app exactly works um i was traveling with some friends and we stopped for a late night pizza Uh, we we ordered and when we were about to leave the owner of the restaurant was there and he offered us his entire inventory for you know five or ten bucks we were students at the time, really excited about getting a bunch of pizza really cheap. So we, we picked it up, we ate it for the next couple of days, but it got my mind racing. I thought that there had to be this exact scenario happening all the time where these restaurant owners have prepared food, it's sitting there and it's gonna be thrown out if no one comes to pick it up. And they're willing to get rid of it for close to nothing because they don't want it to end up in the trash. Yeah, as, as you know, as, as again taking the position of the client really quickly, getting a dollar for something is better than getting zero for something. Exactly, Darren. And the idea, especially in a really tough industry like the restaurant industry, when you're dealing with sunk costs, being able to convert those sunk costs into any sort of incremental revenue can really have a dramatic impact um, to the restaurant space. And really, when we started digging into the issue and, and seeing the real size and magnitude of the issue of food waste, it just inspired us and motivated us that much more to really dive into it. And so things like, and this is a popular one, $31 billion of food is wasted in Canada alone each year. That amounts to nearly 40% of all food produced. And that means that 40% of all food produced generally goes uneaten. 
And so when we started really diving into the facts, we realized the problem was a lot bigger than we could have even imagined. Um, and then when you couple that with the idea that restaurateurs have, have it pretty tough, you're, you're dealing with high cost of goods sold, high labor, it's a pretty tough demand curve where uh, restaurants experience like 80% of their volume in three or four hours in the day, we realized that there was really a great opportunity to be able to connect and empower restaurants to advertise time-specific and quantity-specific promotion, generally at the end of service or at the end of a lunch rush or breakfast rush, in order to um, turn that food or that sunk cost, that leftover food, into a dollar while also reducing their weight. Yeah, and it's uh, and the the one of the tricks around that, and we'd mentioned before, and it's, it's something I'm particularly um, keen to sort of explore with uh, for the listener there a little bit is, uh, you know, one of the one of the demands and one of the expectations of culture uh, is is around sort of that that idea that you know if you're providing a service, there's certain expectations around those services, and those expectations have real dollar costs, and and it, it really it, it they're really unreasonable. And so a, a former guest, if if I can just segue for a quick second here, uh, a former, uh, not former, a frequent but hasn't been on in a while guest of the show, Tim Nash, has been interviewed. Uh, he's an economist, but he likes to use the example when he's talking about uh, economics uh, to talk about uh, the idea of like a buffet, right? When you, when you, or rather a potluck. So if you invite a bunch of people over for a potluck and there's say six people, uh, six people bring enough food for six people. Uh, you know, they don't bring enough for food for one person because you're going to then share, which if you had, you know, a six times one sixth would be enough food. But instead, everybody has this expectation that, well, I have to make sure that there's enough for everyone. Um, and so everybody brings enough food for everyone. And then you have this monstrous amount of food that's left over. And this translates over to restaurants, too, where they're just it's inconceivable. It's considered a, a bad business that isn't constantly have more than enough of everything for everyone for everyone to meet everyone's possible needs. And, and this place is a, a massive cost uh, problem problem on the restaurant, and not to mention all the food that gets wasted as a, as a result of that. Absolutely, Baron. And what I always like to ask people that sort of get their brain um, thinking about it is, when is the last time that you walked into a restaurant and they said, oh, sorry, we don't have that specific menu item available today? It's like, that is a normal thing in so many other industries. You walk into a clothing store, oh, they've got no more medium t-shirts left. And again, that doesn't happen enough either. But for the most part in other industries, there's this idea of supply and demand and trying to match the two. And for some reason in the restaurant space, the mentality with 99% of restaurant owners is let's make sure that we never, ever turn down a single customer. And therefore, we're going to overproduce all the food we have to make sure of that. And of course, the outcome of that behind the curtain is tremendous amounts of waste. Which all the which all then get fact. I mean, you you end up paying for it too, right? So that I mean that inflates all the prices uh, of everything else because you have to, as the business owner, you have to charge for your waste or you can't make money. Um, so you know if you ever go in and uh, to a restaurant and find as well, this pasta dishes doesn't seem very fancy for what they're charging. Well, in to some degree, a big part of that cost is for all the pasta you didn't eat. You know, you're paying yeah. for, you're paying for it. You just don't know it. Absolutely, yeah. The, the cost of goods sold in the restaurant industry is generally about a third of the overall price. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of it is that markup with, yes, it's labor, and yes, it's the rent, and yes, it's the utilities. But like you said, it's also accounting for some of that food that they inevitably think that they're going to throw out. Mm -hmm. And one of the really interesting things we found about the space when we started really talking to restaurateurs about it was that they seemed to just think of it as a necessary evil. It was, yeah, it was food waste. It's just part of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's really taking us more 
Yeah, please. So to explain how it works, basically there's the restaurant-facing side and the user-facing side. On the restaurant side, they can update the quantity and availability of certain menu items based on when those menu items are going to go to waste ahead of time. So if the restaurant closes at 9 and it's a pizza restaurant and they know they always throw away at least six slices, they can make sure that six slices are available ahead of time and people can pre-purchase those through the app. For the user, you can then scroll through a list of restaurants that all have different offerings at different times and great promotions, right? So these these menu items are offered at a, at a pretty steep discount. And, and as a user, you can buy this great food for less and you're also helping combat food waste. So ultimately, if this if this idea was was scaled, whether that be through you know this idea taking off and and other competitors coming up, or if, if you guys got really massive or something like that, but if this if this became integrated, ultimately this would actually have an, an effect of decreasing overall prices. Even the full price would come down as restaurateurs would be able to know that they wouldn't have to account for as much waste. So everybody wins, really. Exactly, and that's exactly it, Aaron. Like the biggest the core value of our company is the win win win. The idea that if everyone's not benefiting from the solution, then it's just not that great of a solution. And mm -hmm. so in this case, we believe that by helping restaurateurs create this inventory clearing mechanism to help optimize their bottom line, by helping customers access great food for less and feel good about their purchasing decisions, and then of course as well, being able to help reduce food waste, we are really helping all stakeholders involved. And then we've also sort of taken one more step to partner with lots of local charities and food banks in order to create a meal matching program. So our in-app rewards program, rather than um, giving customers loyalty points or dollars off future purchases, for purchases made through the app, we actually donate meals to local charities and food banks who are having great impact in our local communities. Yeah, and we see, we see the problem of food waste, and the flip side of that is food insecurity. And with this enormous amount of food waste, it's hard not to get really upset about the amount of people who still don't get enough food each day. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that donation uh, matching program came yeah, it's really you know I've 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 been involved in for, for various reasons with uh, uh, things like food banks before, and it's and you know even when people are getting access to food, people in need are getting access to food. Generally, the quality of that food is quite low, um, for a variety of reasons, up to and including the fact that many of it has to be non-perishable because of storage issues and turnover and, and logistics and all that sort of thing. And so, generally, even people who are receiving food assistance, the the quality and the nutritional value of the food that they're eating is, is quite poor. Uh, but if this is, you know, if, if reduced price food of a higher quality is available more consistently and those and and some of those people are able to access that i mean we're, we're it's it's really improving people's lives <clears throat> i think in a very tangible and meaningful way is uh, you know i'm 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 clearly more invested in this idea than i'm with some of the other people we've talked to just because this is this is aside from the environment this is my industry and so i i really do understand uh, the the real depth and gravity of this problem um so I, I wish you guys all the best uh, success with that. We've only got uh, maybe a minute left. Uh, what I was wondering is if uh, you could quickly, because I know you identified there, and I know from my experience inside the industry that um, there you're, you're challenging, in some way, as much as it's a good idea, uh, you're challenging a lot of people's preconceptions about how this sort of thing should work. A lot of people have an association with like, you know, discount food is maybe it's, there's something wrong with it, that sort of thing. It, can you just spend just a, just a minute or two maybe talking about some of your experiences, about some of the reactions you've got, either with approaching clients as far as restaurants or clients as far as users and maybe some of the feedback that you've gotten some of the reactions that you've heard 
Yeah, for sure, Saren. So, and I'll and I'll try to be brief on it. What, what we find is like once in a while, someone will say, "Hey, how are you guys different than Group One?" And, and like you said, one of the biggest challenges is that people perceive often a discount to mean that they're getting a lower quality item. What we've been able to do with feedback is create this sort of intuitive deal. Both sides of the equation understand why the promotion is happening. And it is not happening because of the quality of food by any means. It is happening because of the laws of supply and demand. And so in the restaurant space, if something is overproduced, it makes sense for the restaurateur to lower the price of that food because otherwise they will not sell it at all. And so as a customer, the customers understand that they're getting a really great discount on the food, not because there's anything wrong with it, but purely because the restaurateur had to make a little bit too much of that food. And so what we found is from both sides of the, the marketplace, let's call it, the, the customer side and the restaurant partner side, both of them have had really good feedback, uh, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> on, on the feedback app because they both understand why they're getting those discounts or offering those discounts. And it makes everyone feel like they're really contributing to a larger social issue. Right. Um, and so the fact that we have that, that social um, angle to what we're doing it really is a win-win, and we've had great feedback from the restaurateurs and really great feedback from the customer side as well. Yeah, it puts a whole new spin on put your money where your mouth is, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we may use that one. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get you in touch with my agent about how much you'll charge you for that. So, um, unfortunately, we are out of time, but Josh and Ben, I want to thank you for your time, and we will have links to um, uh, the website and associated materials there if people are interested in learning more. Uh, they'll be able to do that through greenmajority.ca. Uh, aside from that, thank you very much for your time, and good luck. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Darren. Looking forward to being in touch in the future. All right. Take care. Uh, so uh, Megan is uh, here. She's going to jump in and let us know what our final uh, music break will be. I really enjoyed the first music break. Thank you. That was that was very uh, very nice. Uh, I think it was a very nice softening from the tone Stefan <laughs> said at the beginning of the show. Uh, so uh, uh, you're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5. Uh, our wonderful c- uh, community partners across the country and internationally as well, as well as the website, which you can uh, check out at greenmajority.ca. And uh, Megan's going to tell us what our second music break will be, and then Stefan's going to come back into the studio and, and we'll wrap up with some more news. All right, we are back. We're into the home stretch here on the Green Majority. Stefan is back in the studio, raring to go. Yes. I don't see lightning bolts in your eyes today. I think you uh, expended all your energy last week. Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) I'm riding a little low today. Yeah, coffee in hand and everything. There you go. All right, so Stefan, what's going to be our final section here? Uh, It's it's a couple different stories. The the first is the... So the, the original idea was there's actually two. Actually, I'm going to do one a quick Puerto Rico update uh, and then two two stories about the the two other stories actually are kind of funny in that they're one is uh, one is one is something that terrible the Republican Congress did and the other is something that something good that the Trudeau Liberals did both around trying to measure our Arctic sea ice levels. Uh, but the quick update on um, on the. On Puerto Rico is that, as you may have remembered, we in a previous episode of the show, we we're talking about Whitefish Energy's uh, very flawed contract that they signed with Puerto Rico, which shortly after the news broke, uh, the world proved that at least in some way responds to external stimuli, uh, and the deal was canceled. 
So Whitefish is the good news is Whitefish has now been removed uh, after the FBI began investigating it at the end of October. The FBI was investigating. That's what it took to kill this thing. Uh, the sort of the, the, the mildly ridiculous uh, in like the psych everything is still terrible part of the story uh, is that as they were leaving a they, I, the, I, the Puerto Rico's power generation plummeted from 43% capacity to 18% capacity because of a disruption uh, caused by when a crucial transmission line failed, one that Whitefish had, of course, been working on. Hmm. Uh, so... We're not saying they did it intentionally. They have denied it. <laughs> they've definitely, well, but it's either they did it intentionally or they're they, incompetent. They didn't deserve the contract in the first place. They've so. actively denied it um, that, they, <laughs> that, they did, that they had anything to do with it. But it was definitely something that they were actually working on. Uh, so good news: Whitefish is no longer getting a ton of money for in, in a super bad way. Uh, bad news: and America is still basically leaving Puerto Rico to dry mm-hmm. in, the, in, in, the, in the extent that they are now actually. And this is ludicrous. Uh, well, it's, it's good that they're doing it, but ludicrous that they have to do it. They're actually now evacuating people off Puerto Rico and bringing them to Florida and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, America, stop being jerks. Um, yeah, it occurred, it occurred to me, because this is, I think, week four of having a regular updates, and we don't usually follow stories that much, but it, it occurred to me to maybe mention why I think this is of particular interest to the show, and it's because, at least from my perspective, I mean, Stefan chose the story today, but the reason I see it as, as worthwhile to keep on top of that, because there, you know it's, it's a tragedy, but there's lots of tragedies, so well, why stay on this one? Uh, well, in this case, it's, um, it's because, you know, if, if, an Amer- if a U.S. state... If, if part of the United States can be sort of left hung out to dry because of climate impacts, then then what sayeth that about the rest of the state of the world when other countries are in need of help? How much help can they expect? And there is going to be more of this. And so it's sort of like it's the litmus test for for what's to come to some degree, um, because, you know, if they can't even take it or if they can't or won't even take care of their own, then what's going to happen to to the other folks who aren't as powerful, who aren't uh, part of the United States? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, the United States has to take Puerto Ricans, uh, re- climate refugees, because they are United, United States citizens. They can't prevent them. Yeah, yeah, they are United <laughs> States citizens. They cannot, they cannot, I guess, I guess Trump could theoretically renounce the existence of Puerto Rico, but uh, he's not yet decided to do that. Don't give him the ideas. Exactly. Though. He probably hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, and so on to on the subject of the United States being awful, uh, the this one is this one is one of those things which is every once in a while you come across a story that is so, so uh, perfect in its depression, so perfect in its complete and utter badness you know there's not there's not a good and bad side of some stories it's not in some story and and and, the, and and sometimes there's not even like a there's not even like a, a reasonable other take one could have to mm-hmm. a story and this is about this is about our ongoing work um, or the ongoing work to try to understand how much level sea ice has decreased in the Ar- in the Arctic and there's the United States uh, you know, has has the most has the most capacity to do this. Um, they've had they have these satellites that actually do this work. Um, the satellites are called the F series, and so currently uh, there are three satellites: uh, the DMPS, DMSP, F16, F17, and F18. Uh, and w- until recently, F19 were all floating around in the atmosphere uh, to uh, t- to track sea level decrease. And they do very important work, and they they give us enough data to actually inform of of you know to let us know you know if if impending doom is 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 coming or not, uh, give us some warning of some of the diff- of some of this, and they're very important in that state. 
uh, quite recently, uh, F-19 is the most recent one. So that's important that this is the most recent one that was built, the, the most advanced one, uh, had some technical issues and, and, and basically it went offline. Uh, it went down. And, and so normally what would be happening now is that we would then – NASA has planned for this. NASA expected that, of course, these satellites are uh, our limited lifespan. Um, and so they had a F-20 all ready to go and set up uh, and to, to launch to, to make sure this is happening. However, uh, a few months ago, Congress decided – Congress ordered it to be, ordered it to be destroyed because uh, they didn't want to pay to store it. Mm. Uh, so it was hanging around in an aircraft carrier, uh, was too expensive to apparently just keep around. And so it was destroyed earlier this year. And now you'd think, okay, well, now they can build a new one. Uh, turns out that they will not be able to build and launch a new one until about 2023 or later. And none of the current satellites will still be in operation by then. Which basically means the United States Republican Congress has managed to ensure that we will not know enough about sea level rise or sea level uh, or sea ice, uh, decrease over the next little while uh, because they didn't feel like paying the pennies on the dollar. Uh, you know, they should have just put it in Mar-a-Lago. I now, could, I would have offered to, to after it amnesty and and you know, I would put it in my living room. Like that's not, yeah, exactly. It can't be that big. I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna guess it was a decent size, but st- I'm also gonna guess that the price to keep it around in a, a in a place was not the same price as one golf trip in Mar-a-Lago for Trump. Right. I'm guessing that the prices they're paying here are somewhat. You know, why don't we just put it up in Trump Tower? It can hang out in New York City, right? Uh, with Melania and and uh, and Bannon or Barron. Uh, and <laughs> nice slip there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, 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 no. Bear, Bannon is is Trump's father. Right. Ba- um, the yeah. So there's just a yeah. So so that's that's the news. That's the old. That's there's no other part. Of the, like I wish there was another part of the story that was like oh and guess what good things. But no, that's the whole news. Well, they saved you know forty nine dollars and fifty cents on a parking space. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that money will be utilized for very important purposes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there, if there's one thing I learned from childhood, Stefan, that I remember to this day, uh, it's that if you put your hands over your face and go, la, 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 the problems go away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so what's funny about this is that this, that, that, that this was not even done, this wasn't, even, this wasn't even done during the Trump administration. This was done in September of last year, Congress decided to get rid of this thing. Um, and so, again, the full Republican Congress can just do what they like doing, and apparently that is just completely wasting a bunch of money. This is the most, if there's one thing that I've never understood about conservative lawmakers, it is the concept that they hate government waste more than anything. But the moment they get to destroy something that someone that the government already spent spent money to build, they are on it. Like you know, Mike Harris spent th- what, how much money to refill in the the Eglinton Expressway? You know, the, the Eglinton Subway that they were building. Like the number of times conservatives will be like, you know what, we shouldn't spend any money now, but let's waste the money we previously spent just so the government doesn't do stuff is ludicrous. Mm. Uh, it's it's scorched policymaking, which is that I'm just gonna if if I can't have it my way, I'm gonna break everything. Well, and it and it feeds into this it feeds into this sort of this completely and incredibly dangerous thought process of well, if we don't know something's happening, it can't be happening. Right. Let's just close our eyes, and you're now gone. It's like yeah. it's like they've lost object permanence. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of arguments to be made that there's a lot of adult children out there. Yeah, well, they're, th- they're throwing snowballs on the Senate floor while we... While <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, 
so that's so okay so that's the bad news um there's no good what's part of the story. other bad news uh, no, the, so the other the other news is mildly better news uh <laughs> which that is mean? that which is that uh the Trudeau government has has finally this has been something that's sort of been on their docket for quite some time they keep talking about doing it uh, but has finally found some money uh to keep the polar environment atmospheric research laboratory or pearl which I'm sure they were very happy with. Uh, mm-hmm. they, I feel like whenever I feel like whenever they come up with like a good acronym, they're like, "Yes, nothing saves a project like a catchy title." Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so Pearl uh, is arguably the most important Arctic research lab in the world. So, at the very least, we're not simultaneously talking about closing at the most important Arctic research lab and also satellites monitoring sea levels. At least one of these two things is better news. Uh, they the the uh, climate change minister Catherine McKenna uh, and science minister Christy Duncan confirmed on Wednesday that they were freeing up about $1.6 million uh, in federal funds to send at least, they're calling it a lifeline, which is depressing uh, because what we need is more than a lifeline. We need is a stable funding, uh, especially given apparently now that we have no satellites or will soon have no satellites uh, uh, tracking this. And so there's, that would be great. You know, it would be nice to know sort of what is happening. And, uh, and so, and this has been, I think, honestly, we've covered this actually I think, a couple of years ago when the Harper government was, was sort of phasing it out. And people have been talking, this. it's one of these places that people have been spending a lot of time trying to, trying to keep open. Uh, in part because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unique facility. Uh, it's a quote from uh, Mr. Duncan. Uh, the Pearl's unique facility in the most northern uh, ci- civilian facility in Canada. And it looks at the atmosphere, climate change, ozone depletion, and interaction between atmosphere, ice, and oceans. Uh, and so it's, it exists and will continue to exist, uh, hopefully until 2023, because that's apparently the soonest we might get a satellite up in the atmosphere again, uh, at least from the states. So, this it's so that is good news. So that's my good news, and that was so that that is the the good news is that the pearl will stay alive. The bad news is that Republicans still being terrible, um, and and I hope that the that the government of Canada figures out a way to provide a much more stable and ongoing funding service uh, mm-hmm. to to this pearl laboratory because the only way we can know uh, if we're, if things are going to be how things are going is if we actually take some action on on making sure things are okay um, or n- actually n- screw that uh, not making sure things are okay because we know they're not okay uh, paying attention to as things become less and less okay right. uh, and and then reacting accordingly hopefully it occurs to me that maybe we can get really really aggressive climate legislation passed if we just called it the uh, like I support our troops bill or something like that like the, just I'm just thinking about that catchy titles thing right right yeah, you you know, know, you know, you're not, you're, nobody actually reads policy papers they well, should just call a bill like the you know uh uh, you know, anti-abortion support our troops bill or well, something. Well, do you know the all of a sudden unanimous support? The uh, the the um, the American tax, uh, the Republican tax plan that Trump is pushing is getting delayed. And I, I, I was one of the I forget which comedian, uh, which which late night show was talking about this. Um, but apparently, one of the reasons why the tax bill is getting delayed is because they can't agree on a name. That sounds about right. And and Trump wants to call it the cut 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 bill. Which is just so hilariously bad. Well, it's childish. It's yeah, it's just like it, it's like for something that is for something that is actually going to be like like if that tax bill gets passed, like very bad things are happening. Like if that tax bill gets passed, it will like it will raise the cost of being a student in the United States. It will raise the cost of most people uh, living normal lives and give trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars, to the already incredibly rich. It, like one percent or point one percent. Like it will it will fast track the uh the 
both income inequality in the United States and the demise of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then to, to call it the cut, cut, cut bill seems just so on the nose and so ridiculous. It's also it's also like just strategically bad planning because like nothing could be more easily flipped to, you know, be attacked politically than the name of that bill. You know, like yeah. imagine this campaign ad, you know, cut your services, cut your health care, you know, cut yeah. your rights, cut your access to medicine. Yeah. Like really is nobody in there like is no well, marketing person in there well, saying that's why like, everyone's this is a bad idea. That's literally why it's delayed because everyone else is like I don't think we should do this and Trump's like no. I am going to yeah. be a child. Yeah, I mean he's he's good at promoting himself. He's not good at promoting any other thing. Well, the the, the funny thing about that is that for a man who has spent his entire time adding Trump to literally everything, uh, he mm-hmm. has been he has been quite uh, he has been quite co- not quite reticent, shall we say, mm. uh, from from actually naming anything any any bill the Trump bill, right? Like right. The, he was didn't want to call it Trump Care because he knew that was going to be wildly unpopular. He didn't want to call it didn't call this the Trump Tax Cut because that would be equally unpopular. Although the so are, I guess, his stakes and everything else. So maybe, like, I feel like 35% approval rating maybe what he's generally the Trump brand relies on. Uh, and so perhaps the whole thing makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, the, 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 the business model of a charlatan is not that everyone's a fool. It's that 25% of people are fools. <laughs> right? So he, yeah. he doesn't, his, his whole, his whole like, sort of life's model is the fact that you have to find the people you can fool, not that you can fool everyone. Yeah, yeah, you can't fool everyone all the time, but you can fool some people all the time. Right, and those people voted Trump. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, so these are the things. Um, this has been a, I'm certainly a very odd show for the listener. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening through this. We had a couple of minutes left. Um, and, and I, I just want to, I, I, I will end this, uh, my segment part of the show, just thanking all of you for listening and all of you for all of the incredible work that you do. Uh, I'm, you know, you are already listening to the show, so you're already, uh, uh you, you, I'm already biased towards you, uh, cause you're listening to the show. Um, but, you know, I think there's it's understated the number of small efforts that everyone does on a day-to-day basis to try to reconcile uh, their lives with the with the news mm-hmm. um, and and the and or and the olds, which is you know we've known about climate change for forty years, and so trying to do something with that is is hard. Um, and so, uh, thank you, listeners. I just mm-hmm. want to I, I thank you for for listening and for all of the small actions that you do. And if you want to do one extra small action today take a nice walk in the park and tell someone you love them because the world could sort of need it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? I was going to add a piece of news, but I think it's a lovely place to, to finish. I'll just uh, say this. So Stefan and I are uh, uh, still planning on, on meeting hopefully this week about a producer thing. So we mentioned that a little while ago. It's still in the works or just both our jobs are nuts, but uh, we didn't forget about that. It's still coming. So stay tuned for information about that. Other than that, have a very good green week we will update everyone as soon as we can and uh and if nothing else if nothing else fails uh we will be on the air next week (laughs) so we'll see you soon take have a good green week and take care